Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Welcome to this week's Spoken Word. And today we are heading to a street corner in Melbourne where the poet Nadia Rook is penning her piece, A Centre Place. The birds chirp in the stones beneath my feet, the statue of Dr Sun Yat-sen before me, air that dances in the stilled gaps of the city. Over there, a woman perched on jagged bluestone, pen ready to fly, she looks to the fading bricks of a Victorian building, the signage of a department store hypersized portraits of pizza and orange juice and pearl char in jars ready to be sucked through thirsty hipster lips. Over there, a man pulls his bag off a flatter stone and behind me, an older man in the garb of youth, rubber-soled sneakers and a cap to steady a laboured walk across this cobbled path. The chirping is everywhere at once and all I can see. And meanwhile, history speaks like I've arrived by some kind of pulpit. Opium is a vice, announces Jokong Chong. And watch out, the Restriction Act is on its plundering way. They hammer loud on Sundays, Deacon complains, and put white workers in peril. And low Kong men? This is your version of democracy? Hypocrisy. The impending beat of chisels and birds gliding above it all. Here must be the city's centre place. A doldrum between cafes rush with beans and keyboards pumped by superannuation and border protection. Between halls of power and rails that spread in all directions to country and never seawards. Is this where the world pivots along whiteness and multiculturalism, Europe and the Americas, history and forgetting? Here on Coolan Grounds, a Chinese fulcrum for new time. A round shadow meets square stones at every angle and a woman in spotty dress, thongs, glasses, steps through the middle, waits for the camera to find her. Instead, it points at her friends, two men upright before Sun Yat-sen, his walking stick aimed down to earth and off to heaven his gaze unerringly cast on nasi goreng and juice jars, on Astro Boy, the hero at the tummy of my childhood. So, where's Lo Kong Meng now? The colonial hero of this star-studded place. The stick directs me away from the doctor's gaze, from these friends, to a cloudless blue sky. As if looking up might pry this city apart, might split white wings on grey cobbled stones. Or I've seen this city's axis, a centre unto the middle. Thank you for joining us today, Nadia. Hi, Brendan.
Nadia Rook is an historian, researcher, academic, writer, poet, spoken word performer, and she also runs heritage walking tours around the city of Melbourne. Now, I must confess, I've never been on one. Could you explain how you got into it? Yeah. Soon after I finished my PhD, I wanted to find a way to share all these stories about Melbourne, so I started doing a walking tour, first on my friends and family, and now subject the public to them. The walking tour has a lot of stories of of other people, of people's lives, of migrants' lives, really, uh, from from colonial Melbourne, and especially um, Asian migrants. My poetry also has those themes, but I guess, you know, you can make a lot of connections in poetry and uh, bring in a lot of things that you can't necessarily do in a walking tour. You, you base it a lot on real historical things, but is there a lot of you in the poem? Yeah, there's a lot of me, yeah. I guess for me, poetry is that way of like exploring my own connection to history, to my ancestry as well as a white settler woman. And like I said, to make connections as well that just isn't often there, uh, especially in academia and and in history where people, you know, still want facts and truth. Facts and truth. Do you feel like poetry has more truth? Uh, Yes, I do. Um, I guess it's a different type of truth. And of course, the emotional side as well and the personal side. Although now there are historians are discovering the importance of emotions too, but but still I do find um, a kind of truth in it that isn't there in those sorts of highly careful narratives, I guess, based on empirical evidence. I uh, I love you know the chance to be able to sit down and you know through words have something really introspective and meditative and the rawness of words that finding the essence of it. Finding the story. The longest distance in us is the curve of the S. I think writing is the best medicine that, you know, can heal you so quickly. I think that the community of poets is one of the best communities out because we do support each other. (laughs) So, so tragic, isn't it? This is Spoken Word on 3CR Community Radio. Yes, it is. And I am speaking today with Nadia Rook. How did you get into poetry? Oh, the other day I think I had a memory, a flashback to my first poem in year eight. And um, my English teacher was running a competition for poems um, that were about racism, problems of racism. So I went to school in Ballarat and this teacher was um, from India and, um, you know, kind of stood out in a pretty Anglo type of place. So um, I think that was my my first poem and I cringed when I remembered some of the terrible rhyming lines that I can still remember but um, I think when I was a teenager I started writing and then kept on going especially after I discovered the joys of writing poetry that didn't rhyme. I don't remember reading poetry. It's really probably the last two to three years that I've started just reading it every day and I just see the things that I like and I guess you assimilate the things that you like into your own poetry. Mm. And what about spoken word? I think the first time I read that left an impression on me was at Passionate Tongues, yeah, almost a year ago. And it was just, you can see how people are reacting to it and then to hear um, 
people's feedback immediately is just so gratifying, I have to say. As an academic, I write a lot of things that may take years to get published and by the time it comes out, you've moved on and totally disconnected from it. So it's just so nice, that, that immediate connection. That was a musical version of the John Macefield poem Sea Fever, performed there by Chris Delmhorst. You're on 3CR, and Nadia Rook is my guest today on Spoken Word. Now, travel, I've noticed, is a big part of your work. Yeah, I've travelled a lot around Europe. About ten years ago, I went on a big seven-month backpacking trip with a friend of mine, and we went to about 16 countries 
in Europe um, and also Southeast Asia. But on that trip, uh, I volunteered uh, in an orphanage in Vietnam and after that decided I didn't really need to go anywhere else but Vietnam and I did. I lived in Vietnam for a while and have gone back there a lot. I became aware of this amazing history of a Vietnamese community in New Caledonia and you know New Caledonia is so close to Australia, just 1200 k's from Sydney and um, so Vietnamese people were used as indentured labour in New Caledonia from the 1890s to the 1930s and uh, so I had the chance to go there and research a bit of this history and during that trip I took a bus to the north to this area where there's a, a mountain, Coniambo Mountain, that was until a few years ago a, a nickel mine that employed Vietnamese people into the 1930s. So it was quite an overwhelming experience. The mountain, my guide showed me first you know, gravestones of labourers at the base of the mountain and then we're going up and there's this line in the rocks and it's the, it's the fault line from where New Caledonia used to be joined to Australia as part of Gondwanaland. So Standing on the precipice of two worlds. Yeah, yep, that were once connected, literally connected. <laughs> and then I got to the top. When you look down, you can kind of see these naturally formed hearts in, in the land, which are actually rivers. You can see them on one side, and then my guide told me that in the mountains behind us was a sacred indigenous Kanak burial grounds. And then to the other side was the mine, where you can still see the, see the cuts in it, where indentured labourers used to work, including my guide's own grandfather. So um, it's just like this overabundance of meaning that um, eventually <laughs> found its way into a poem. Those uh, connections that you talk about. Yeah. I had this sort of connection to Vietnam and then it turned out there was another Pacific connection and my, and then I was thinking about my own great-grandfather who died young. Um, he was a minor, which meant that my grandmother lost her father when she was young. So, yeah, I think maybe it was something about that, a place where you could kind of connect to the personal effects of, of mining on people's lives, yeah. La Cour des Vous There are hearts in the land. No, I'm not kidding you. The land's literally formed in the shape of hearts. They've got a name, La Cour des Vous. They've got a place between the Coral Sea and Coniambo Mountain. They've got colours too, green with a little grey rimmed in thin rivers of blue. There are hearts in the land. Can you see them? Over there. Where? On the top of the mountain, do you mean? Or in the mine shafts? He doesn't answer, but I can guess. They go all the way down, from the red cut at the top to the nickel hidden at the bottom. Look, that there's atomic number 28. Hard currency of empire alloy to our sticky, non-toxic saucepans. My grandfather worked here, he said. I always imagined him how he worked going up and down the shaft every day. It was hard work. I didn't know what to say, so I said, oh. 
My great-grandfather died young from working in the mines. It was the lung disease, you know, he had to stay on the front veranda for the fresh air. The neighbours heard him coughing when they walked by. I didn't know what to do either, standing between the hearts in the land, the ancestors in the sacred mountains behind me, and the mine beside me. What was there to do? The rivers were doing their job. The ancestors were doing their job. The labourers had done their job already. Nobody was asking me to work, so I asked, can you take a photo of me? Squinted in his direction, forced a smile, and he did. Then I looked down, toward the hearts bleeding their green grass to the sparkling coral sea, clutched my phone in my sweaty palm, navy boots collecting red dust and wondered, am I just another explorer? Finding something worthy of my pen, following the paths of French footsteps, wondering what my Nana's life would have been like if she grew up with a father. Would she have been so kind? Earlier that day, at midday, we were at the cafe at the bottom of the mountain and the guide told me his grandfather was from Tongqing. He came here to work in the mines. Before that, before I even left to find this place, the hearts, in the land, in the mines, in the people, I told my friend, I'm not coming to see you this time. I'm going to this place where the land's in the shape of hearts. Really, she says, are you kidding me? That's very Vietnamese. I know, I say, such a strange coincidence. But it can't be just a coincidence, she says. There are hearts in the land. But you might never know. If you didn't climb the mountain, you might mistake them for just another river, curving first this way, then that. If you didn't climb the mountain, if we'd kept our policies to ourselves, the land might still have hearts. We just wouldn't stand so high above them to close our shutters on them, stick them in a book and place them on the coffee table. Is it a coincidence, we'd ask, or did we always want there to be a place such as this, as if hearts need to find a place to live and be loved outside our skin-bound bodies? What's that? Is love the oldest act of possession, or the latest? Which atomic number could that be, though? Love, beyond possession. So it's fine. Call me Motnyatam here, but it may be too late. This story cuts below mountain tops, below organs, even below the nickel. It's gonna run out soon, the nickel, and then we'll need foreign investment or something like that. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you, I love them. The hearts in the land, the memories in the mine. Or is it that I love the memories in the land? I'm not sure. The sun was too glary that day. You can't quite make out the hearts in the pictures. Does that make me a failed explorer? Or is that what they call a coincidence?
That was Nadia Rook performing her poem La Coeur de Vous, with music by Melbourne artist Dang Kim Hien from her album Melodica Nostalgica. You speak Vietnamese, Nadia. Yes, somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I used to teach myself. um, When I moved to Vietnam, I started teaching myself. I had a teacher, but she didn't like teaching me. She said I was a difficult student. So I taught myself, and then when I came to Melbourne, strangely, then I had formal lessons in Melbourne, yeah. I've listened a bit to Nya Twins' poetry. She's a Hanoi-based poet. Um, And I've tried to write poetry in Vietnamese and... (laughs) Um, it's one thing to read another language, but the poetry plays with different grammar that's just beyond me. So, um, no, <laughs> didn't go so well. <laughs> Who did you try it out on? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Van, um, she said, Na Oi Na is my Vietnamese name. She said, I, I have no idea what you're trying to say. <laughs> I figured I'd... Yeah, I think I'd better stick to English. You are invited to Sampari Exhibition, celebrating West Papuan culture. Sampari, a series of events supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self-determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday, 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT West Papua website. Sampari, brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter. It's that time of year we once again are selling two delicious wines generously donated by local winemaking star and 3CR supporter Luke Lambert. At $17.50 these wines are a super bargain labelled especially for us and they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Give us a call on 9419 8377 to order. Or you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Ah, ah, no ah, 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 Red spot on his wing 
comes black as coal Of all the colors I ever did see Red and black are the ones I dread For This here is coal. Look, it's clean. You know, it's the dirt and dust that'll blacken your fingers, not this stuff. Soon the children, full of energy, bounce out of the lit cavity, and it's our turn to brush our hands along the wall. Smooth, furrowed, cold. It's sparkly. Yep. That there's the same element you find in diamonds. That's why I always tell the young girls not to get ideas when they come in here. Ideas? You know, you might steal yourself a chunk to set into a ring. He keeps talking. Something about his... father? But I've stopped listening. Not because I'm already busy building a fire to forge my precious ring of coal because I can see now how beautiful it is, black with twisting lines. They twinkle. Well, thank you for coming along today. Thank you very much. Sharing your poems with us. Folks, can you believe we have come to the end of the show? Spoken Word will be back next week, Thursday at 9 in the morning, 8.55 on your AM dial. You can also download us on your favourite podcasting app or directly from www.3cr.org.au. And if you are not already, please become a subscriber and help to keep community radio on air. For more information on upcoming poetry gigs in Melbourne, visit www.melbournespokenword.com. I'm Brendan Bonsack. Thank you for listening. Thank you.